Yo, Shinji, get in Mr. Bean. Hello, and welcome back once again to House of Bards. Uh, my name is Alex. And I'm Beth. And on House of Bars today, we are going to start something eh, a little different. Yeah, a little different, um, yeah. Honestly, though, those of you who listened to our very, very long two-part Halloween episode, just whenever I put the last episode up in relation to the time that you're seeing this one, I'm sorry, uh, then you'll probably be familiar with, with the sort of thing that we're going to try and do here. What we want to do is... Interlaced with other episodes of House of Bards, we want to do a series on classes in the game of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Um, it's possible that we might uh, expand that to include classes or character constructions from other games, potentially. Yeah. Although I kind of fear for the series if we do that, because I mean, <laughs> that's you yeah, can we're look really... at like, the number of, of professions available in Call of Cthulhu. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and one day, <laughs> honestly, in in those cases, like very, there's very little that they affect aside from like the the number of skills you have. It's, yeah, D and D is is sort of um, iconic when it comes to its classes. It is, yeah. Indeed, the dynamic between its core classes is represented in a lot of other um, fa games, both fantasy and sci-fi. Yeah, but to be fair, as we've previously discussed, the reason why these are in a lot of fantasy games is because a lot of people's Dungeons & Dragons worlds get made into video games later that on. Is, that is very true. Yeah. That, that is a primary reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not because... like I, I mean, it might be because of familiar familiarity as well, but well, I th it, I think it is like... also because people have just rip off Dungeons and Dragons because that's I think what... In, th in things like games like Trine, then then it is just, this is the familiar triad of, yeah. of uh, actors, but yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, quite often the case in large RPGs that, that it's just somebody's D&D campaign that was made into a, an actual video game. Hmm. So, there were a lot of classes that we could have chosen for our first class spotlight. The uh, the fighter is very basic and very classic. Mm -hmm. uh, clerics are very interesting, particularly because we've talked about religion before. But you know what the name of the podcast is. There's really only one class that we could begin with, and that's the bard. It is the bard. Um, <coughs> I think bards are interesting, and I, I think they're always... I guess they kind of get seen as the quirky class. I mean, that's, that is a trope. The quirky bard is a trope. Because bards tend to be a bit weirdly made in video games and they're weirdly balanced on tabletop games. They're weird. Mm, Everyone yeah. knows it. Bards are strange because it's sometimes weird to determine why they should even be there. Even though they're basically their entire existence as storytellers revolves around having been there. Or, yeah. like, ripping stories off somebody who was there. <laughs> so... Quite often, people don't really know what kind of abilities to give them. So bards have very often been tried; like they've been pushed into this sort of jack of all trades role, mm. which um, is actually the name of a feat in Fifth Edition Dungeons mm. and Dragons. The bards can have jack of all trades. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So, in terms of the history of of D and D, bards first appeared in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons First Edition. 
sort of. Bards were what would later become known, uh, at least briefly, as a prestige class. They were very, very difficult to become because you couldn't start out playing one unless you started a character at very high level. They were... What you did was you, you started out as a human or a half-elf fighter, and then at a certain point you had to stop being a fighter. And this gets into AD&D 1st Edition's, uh, in fact all AD&D's uh, multi-classing rules, which are bullshit and not worth it, so I would advise against making a bard in any of the AD&D systems because... Like, the multi-classing rules are very complicated, and it's very difficult to make them pay out because you have to know exactly when to shift class, and they're different for humans or demi-humans. So, yeah, this, this was awkward, and it was more that bards sort of technically existed. And the weird thing is, you couldn't really make one by accident, because nobody's going to say, oh, I need to start as a... I'm going to start as a fighter... I've got like five or six levels in fighter now, and I don't, I'm not really feeling it. I think I'm going to like swap classes into a thief. And then later on being like, I don't like being either of these things, so I'm going to take up being a druid. Or, in second edition, a wizard. Well, not, not, not in second edition, because second edition did them completely differently. Ignore what I said there. Um, and it's like, you had to know that you were going to try and be a bard. Yeah. Mm. So... I don't know. The bards were very, very powerful in first edition, but they were also fundamentally pointless. Mm. Because, like, who is going to try and be one when you could stick as one class and get really good at doing one thing and the party composition will bear out the holes in whatever it is you're doing? Yeah. Like an actual D&D party. Mm. Don't be a bard in first edition. Don't be a bard in first edition. Second edition. Don't be a bard in second edition. Bards are a starting class now in 2nd edition. They advance fast because they use the rogue table for um, level progression. And they don't use druid spells anymore. They use wizard spells. They're also shit, however. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean it's, it's kind of all relative. Like, 2nd like edition bards are not terrible. They're just shit compared to 1st edition bards. Yeah. So it's like... Um, there's no reason why you couldn't play a bard, but a lot of the, like song-based abilities took a long time to spin up in combat, which is not really great unless your party is already overflowing with the number of classes that it actually needs. So really, a bard was, was support for parties that didn't really need support. They, they're not, not good. Um, you can play a lot of cool characters as a bard in 2nd mm. edition, but they're not great characters unless you roll really, really well. Um, uh, in 1st and 2nd edition, the you must have neutral in your alignment if you are going to be a bard. So you can't be um, lawful good or lawful evil or hmm. chaotic good or chaotic evil, but you can be anything else. Yeah. Um, second edition started out having the same um, uh, race restrictions for, for bards, that you could only be a human or a half-elf because humans... Before third edition, humans in in AD and D, humans thing was that they could progress to any level in any class, whereas demi humans, except half elves, were also restricted that way. And like half elves got debuffs compared to humans in some respects, but they were also able to like progress to whatever. Um, so that I think was the major reason why uh, you couldn't be a bard in first edition, at least, uh, if you weren't a human or a half elf, because it was too diff difficult to do all the like multi classing and stuff. Mm. And despite the fact that it was a starting rate, uh, starting class in second edition, you could still only be a 
human or a half-elf, until the Complete Bard's Handbook was released, uh, which removed the human or half-elf restriction, but it kept the caster limits for races. So uh, if you were a dwarf or a halfling, then you could be a bard, but the bard you could be couldn't cast spells. Mm. And if you were a gnome, you could be a bard, but your bard could only cast illusion spells. So, like, AD&D had restrictions on which classes could, or which races could actually, like, cast magic at all, like any kind of magic. And actually the different kinds of magic as well, because I believe, if I'm not remembering this wrong, that dwarves could be clerics, but couldn't be wizards. I'll cut this bit out if I'm wrong about that. Mm. Um, so yeah, in 3rd edition, uh, the alignment was changed so that now bards must not be lawful. It could be anything else, but they can't be... Lawful good, lawful neutral, or lawful evil. Uh, their magic is changed again. Now they cast like sorcerers instead of wizards. So they, uh, I'm being honest, actually I don't really know how sorcerers worked in 3rd edition. <laughs> but it, it's it's less like premeditated, it's more spontaneous, which is generally yeah. the way sorcerers go. And um, they got their own spell list, which oh. spell lists were a thing in AD&D, but they were weird and confusing and what a lot of the books would do is that they would like write out every spell in the spell list progression but if two classes shared a spell they would type out the spell once and then on the next time they would just say oh it's like the it's exactly the same as the spell for this class which was annoying because you would then have to go and find the reference for that spell in the other class list i didn't like that i really hope there's an edition of those books that like got rid of that um in 3.5, there were a, lot, a number of small changes made to bards, including the fact that they could cast in light armor. So up until this point, bards had shared the same restrictions as um, other classes, uh, being that they couldn't cast spells while wearing armor. Mm. Which is bullshit, because it makes fighter mages basically unplayable, uh, unless you have like really, really high natural dexterity. Mm. Um so it's probably good that that was removed, at least for light armor, which is really what a bard should be wearing anyway. Yeah. Um, in 4th edition, bards can uh, didn't get a huge amount of stuff, but they could take multi-class feats from as many other classes as they like, where the other, class, other classes could only take a multi-class feat from one other class. <laughs> Whatever the fuck wow. that means. Yeah. If, if you understand 4th edition D&D, you probably already knew that. But, I mean... It seems like there's a lot of classes in the game, so being able to do whatever that is for all of them rather than just one other one seems powerful. I don't know, it depends what like feats are like. They apparently bards take the the leader role initially, but they also have like a, a secondary role, which is controller. I don't know what that means. Look, nobody played fourth edition. No one played fourth edition. Except like the very, very focused fourth edition fan base. Yeah. Who are probably not listening to this podcast. They're probably just playing 4th edition. I think, yeah, they probably are. Okay, but then we get to 5th edition, where the mm -hmm. Bard is, once again, a starting class. Um, I'm just second starting class in the entire book, if I'm... I am. Yeah, well, it's, after, it's alphabetical. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, do we want to go through the uh, this bit of the book? Yeah, sure. I'll just... It's... Uh, I know it's fairly... Start, yeah, it starts on page 51, for those yeah. following along at home, of the Player's Handbook, although the good stuff starts on page 52, uh, if you yeah. already know the uh, the flavour of bards, mm -hmm. which we will talk about later, I think. Yeah, ooh, here we go. Uh, so in 5th edition, bards, say it says, 
they use the the songs, but magic songs that use like the fabric of the universe and shit like that. <laughs> nice, <laughs> low level reality warpers. Which for is the basically win. The, the wizard's way of saying that not every minstrel or like traveling storyteller is a bard just because they are those things. Mm. Like to be a bard, you actually have to be able to do this whole like magic manipulation thing. Yeah. So, what do you get as a bard? Your hit die is 1d8, mm. which is not great, mm. but it's not terrible. No, it's it could be worse. It's it's no barbarian, that's for sure, but of, of course it's not, because you're I, a bard. I'm actually, I'm actually trying to remember if there is a class with a worse um, hit die than that. Definitely uh, in earlier editions there was. Well, like, a 1d6? I'm fairly certain there were ones with, like, at least 1d6s. Is a rogue 1d6? No, I'm pretty sure they're 1d8. But I know the who, barbarians like one d twelve. It's ridiculous. Who would be the squishiest. Um, Cleric. Oh, wizards! Wizards get one d six. So I knew. I knew what someone got one d six. All right. So bards hardier than wizards, as you would yeah. expect. Yeah. Um. But squishier than a barbarian, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, perfect sense. Bards are supposed to be versatile. They are a type of rogue. Mm. Generally, in terms of party composition, you don't want a rogue and a bard unless you have all the other bases covered <laughs> or if the bard is acting as a spellcaster. Yeah, which I think in our group for the most part that is what Jay does, the spellcaster. Which is like, you know... And of... also technically a tank, a spider tank sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but that, that, that was sort yeah. of an aftermarket addition to the cast. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Okay, so you... All this information about hit points is standard for all of the other characters. So your hit yeah. die is is one d eight. Yeah, which is fine. Um, for one thing, it makes uh, it very easy for clerics to fill up your tank. Hit die, oh, yeah. hit die. Yeah. Um, you get proficiencies in light armor, mm-hmm. simple weapons, hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, and short swords, which is pretty good to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a big range of things. Generally, as a bard. I've seen a lot of people who play bards take rapiers just because rapiers are pretty good in 5th edition, especially for dex-focused builds. Um, I think really, whatever it is you choose, you want to go with a finesse weapon if you're um, using a a melee attack because you're going to want to put um, points into dexterity over uh, strength, which, to be honest, is kind of the case for a lot of builds. Yeah. Of pretty much anything in fifth edition, yeah. um, unless you already have like a big head start on strength, mm. because given dexterity informs both your armor class and your ability with finesse weapons. It's like, you know, unless you can wield a really really huge thing with uh, giant strength, you're probably better off like using the same stat to inform both of those things. Yeah, which might be a design flaw, but I've honestly found that people do still choose to play fighters and barbarians or whatever yeah it's not yeah um yeah light armor of course you're gonna want um you're gonna have a pretty high dex bonus and you probably don't want to go into medium armor Mm. it would depend it's like i guess so yeah one of the big um benefits of heavy armor is that if you have a negative dexterity modifier it will completely ignore it rather than taking it off the way light armor does yeah so really it's for strength builds heavy heavy armor so like other kinds of rogue bards really you should be climbing them in leather maybe studded leather if you're rich 
Yeah. Um, you get proficiency in three musical instruments of your choice. Yeah, I, should no. men- I should mention, because this has tripped up a lot of players, including me, you don't actually get those three instruments mm. as items. You get one of them, or if you've decided to choose three different musical instruments from the musical instrument that you pick in your equipment, I don't know why you would do that, but you can, um, then you have like, well, that's what you have. Um, on the one hand, this is bad because it means that you don't have this amazing range of musical instruments to play. But on the other hand, uh, it means that you are free to choose as a proficiency a musical instrument that can't easily be lugged around, like, yeah. say, a piano. Yes. Uh, and then that means well, if you go into a uh, bar that has a piano, you can play that piano and then... Maybe maybe your DM will decide that piano playing is inherently more impressive than just, like, strumming on a lute yeah. and uh, give you a bonus for performing. Yeah. Who knows? Really, like, this is difficult to, to spec out mechanically because, honestly, interacting non-magically via musical instrument is very, very roleplay focused. So it'll be it up is, to yeah. your group and your DM as to exactly mm-hmm. how that goes down. Yeah, if you have a particularly cruel DM... If you choose to play a bard, he may make you perform. Like, not all DMs, but some DMs will make you do this. Or they'll at least mm. get you to describe what you're doing. But yeah. I- yeah, des- describing what you're doing is fine. Yeah. But in a moment, we're going to get up to my big pet peeve when it comes to DMs and bards. Uh, okay. Um, so your saving throws are in dexterity and charisma, which is presumably why those uh, are indicated as the... Um, prime requisites on the quick build yes i mean charisma because charisma is your casting stat by the way Mm. Uh, i believe it does say that very close to here um so charisma will be used to determine what your spell save dc is what the bonus to your spell attacks is all that stuff and how many spells you can is it how many spells you can cast yes i think Mm. so i think no no that's that's a cleric druid thing right okay okay yeah. Um, equipment. Uh, you start out with a rapier, a longsword, or any simple weapon. Mm. Most people pick the rapier. Yeah. Rapiers are just good. They're yeah. versatile, so, you know, they're, they're finesse weapons, so mm. you can use decks to power them. They're not too crap. They don't weigh very much, if your DM cares about that. They're just all round good for, mm. like, rogues yeah. and... Uh. I think the only reason you may choose some other kind of weapon or a long sword is, of course, roleplay reasons, isn't it? Yeah, if, if a rapier does not really fit in yeah. with the flavour of your character. Yeah. Although, do give this a thought first, because I almost guarantee that if you do not, like, think a lot about medieval weapons and you've maybe only, like, really heard of a rapier in, like, books or something, whatever it is you're picturing in your head, a rapier is bigger and clunkier than that. Yeah. I was very surprised at how... Because I was actually thinking of um, an epe. Yes. I hear the, the, the word. And that's not, that's not what a rapier is at all. It's not. It's closer to like a um, block uh, width cutlass. Yeah, like. yeah, it is, yeah. It's, 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 um, it's a kind of short sword that's a bit lighter and a bit swishier. Yeah. But it's definitely not a, a like tiny, light, pointy pin thing. Yeah. Which, so, th- those are used in fencing. If, yeah, they, yeah. the whole point of using those in fencing is that you can't really kill anybody with them. Yeah. They're not actual weapons for 
grievous bodily harm. Yeah, now... That's why they're used in a sport. Yeah, now actual fencing with rapey is much more dangerous, essentially. Very, very dangerous, yes. And yeah. probably confusing and different for people who, who do fence in modern yeah. times, because I'd imagine the weights of those two weapons are entirely different. Yeah. Time traveller versus Olympic fencer. Hmm. <laughs> Olympic fencer knows the ground and what century they're in. Time Traveller has an actual weapon that can hurt people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you also get either a Diplomat's Pack or an Entertainer's Pack. Um, the packs... I'm I mean, still wondering it, if the packs are a good idea. It. I guess with that, it depends what background you're going to take. So no, with the Entertainer background, which you're going to take because you're a bard, mm. like, I'm not going to say it outright choose the entertainer's background if you're a bard because it, it might not be what the background you want but like um just like looking briefly through the backgrounds i think it's the most likely one yeah you're going to i mean yeah there are a couple of other things that you might be instead of like the um minstrel entertainer bard that we're all used to but i'm pretty sure actually in those cases uh you would have to like talk with your dm about getting like a custom background that yeah. like sort of like maybe you're the kind of of bard who writes Viking sagas or something. Oh in yeah. In case you're probably a bit hardier than a simple entertainer. Yeah. But I don't know necessarily if there's any like appropriate um like background. I mean, there's um, the is it the criminal or the con man or the uh, urchin? There's, there's, Those there's work criminal. for bards. Yeah, but they work for all rogues. Like well, charlatan yeah. as well is, yeah. is very performance based. So yeah, that could be a charlatan would be really definitely. yeah, charlatan would be a really good background for a bard. But but we'll get onto that a bit more later on. But look, if you look at the backgrounds and kind of think, oh, what equipment would get me that, and then what equipment am I, you know, like hmm. you know, think a bit because <laughs> you can get the entertainer's pack if you pick the entertainer background. So yeah. then maybe you want to go for the diplomat's pack, so you have two. And you yeah. also get additional... Bear in mind also that the packs themselves... Sorry, I just hit the table. Oh. Bear in mind also that the packs themselves, although they are a really nice concatenation of a load of basic equipment that you're going to need for adventuring, most of the stuff in them, it is not that hard to acquire elsewhere. No, unless yeah. your DM is being a dick. Yeah, I, so, it's just really... Um, like, don't, the... don't go into like getting a pack because one pack has one piece of equipment that you definitely know you are going to need yeah. when you could just buy that. Yeah. Like, I mean, a rope is yeah. not... Not a problem. Yeah, I don't know quiet. if I should say this in the podcast because I know the group listens to this, but I don't particularly pay attention to what's in the packs. So if anyone's ever like, hmm, does the burglar's pack come with this? I'm like, yeah, probably. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I've done that in the past. It's yeah. annoying because like yeah. the pages where all the stuff that's in the pack is listed out are really hard to find because yeah. they're in that sort of general miscellanea of like... Yeah items and how thieves tools work and all that weird know, bullshit yeah. information that's like right at the end of um wherever and yeah. right before other important stuff yeah, starts like, like i'm gonna assume if you're an adventurer you probably have basic adventuring gear mm. maybe that's controversial but yeah you probably do have some torches you probably do have a rope you probably do have some oil with you in like, most cases it can be presumed that you are going to have most of those things unless we as a group have role-played you coming from an origin that would preclude you having those things. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of, yeah. Like, if you started being an adventurer in the way that um, 
Willie from the Temple of Doom starts adventuring, which yes. is apparently just getting on a plane with a man she just met because mm. she's being shot at, then okay, you probably don't have a huge number of, of appropriate adventuring tools. Mm. If you start in prison, they probably probably had them taken away. And maybe you, know. you won't be able to get them back. Maybe, maybe they burned yeah. them or destroyed yes. them otherwise. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you, you get... Um, this is always a weird line to me. It's like, it says, A, a lute, or, or B, B, any other musical <laughs> instrument. <laughs> you, you can either have the moon. <laughs> you can either have the moon <laughs> or any other... <laughs> so, I presume the reason it's laid out that way is because the lute is the iconic instrument for a bard to have, so it's basically there for the benefit of quick build. Yeah. But it is a really weird sentence, because it's like, a lute is a musical instrument. You could have just said, any musical instrument. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you could just say, any musical instrument, open brackets, but be reasonable, don't take the piss with the wit, with the carry limit. You know, like, it's... Yeah, it's it's like... There's two restrictions on what musical instrument you can choose. One of them is your DM, because your DM is going to, like, restrict you to things that have been invented and yes. that you would have access to. Mm. Uh, and B would be, like, actually physically being able to carry the <laughs> instrument in question. Yeah. So it's like, even if your DM is like, you can't have a piano, but you can have a harpsichord, except yeah. you can't have a harpsichord because how the fuck are you going to carry a harpsichord? Yeah. Although now, I do want to see a bard who, like plays the piano and mm-hmm. rolls around on the piano like that one video of the Grand Theft Auto mod. You also get leather armor and a dagger. Mm. Okay, that's Wait, decent yeah, stuffing yeah. equipment. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, I, I think at this point, you know, we're, get, we're getting onto spells, we're getting onto cantrips. That kind of stuff isn't really interesting to break it down to, really, because it's... Not, on, not no. in terms of, like, um, yeah. actually which spells that you should pick, because really... A lot of the spells turn up in multiple spell lists. Yeah. There are some spells that are always good. There are some spells that are always bad. And mm. there are many, many spells that are circumstantially good, depending on the kind of monster and problem that your DM likes to y- throw at you. Yeah. So really all we'll mention here is that bards use charisma for spellcasting and they have their own um, spell list. Yes. Which is the case for most of the classes in 5th edition. I believe yeah. the only exception is that... Um, Classes that would not normally be spellcasters but get a late variant that can do a little bit of spellcasting generally use... Um, yeah. Like, like for instance, the, the arcane trickster, uh, the rogue, uses mm. the wizard spell list. Yeah. Um, I think, though, some things to point out about the bard. Th- there are kind of different ideas of sort of spells that you can use. I, th- I think, you know, different... What's it called, Alex? I don't know, Beth. You know, I'm like going allu- to need a bit more context. You know, illusion and he- necromancy and stuff like that. The like spell categories, the word schools, for- the schools. schools. Yes, there are different schools of magic. But even from like the different types of spells you can have, you can pull together the idea of maybe what you want your bard to be about. Like you have bards who are a bit more nature focused and do a lot more things with animals and enchantments and plants. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are ones that are more about. Uh, like utility spe- what I like to call utility spells essentially, and that's stuff like mending, mm. lights, dancing light, um Yeah. You know, feather fall, you know, that kind it's of thing. It's honestly very beneficial for you as a bard to pick a lot of utility spells. It because is yeah. like generalized wrapping up everything else type utility is probably what you're gonna go into as a bard. Yeah. Like, um 
like we said, bards get jack of all trades. I think we'll talk in a moment about why half health bards are so good. Yes. <laughs> bards get a lot to do with skills rather than combat proficiency, which mm. means that they get a lot of opportunities to just sort of like pick up all the loose ends that the party isn't spec'd for. Yeah. Like Which I mean, means that yeah. having like cantrips and spells that like fix a load of really weirdly specific problems is probably beneficial to you. Yeah, like, I realised that, you know, Silas kind of has a lot of the illusion stuff covered. He's got a lot of the really powerful spells covered, but nobody can heal in our group. Um, No one can really do stuff like, oh, that's divine, let's see where objects might be, let's heat some metal, that's, you know... So when I pick spells for Jay, I'm generally kind of thinking, what problems might we encounter and how am I going to get people out of that, basically. Um, I also have enhanced ability, which I always forget to use, and that's why Becca always fails her roles. Mm. (laughs) But yes, bards do have the ability to take a couple of minor healing spells, so you might find yourself sort of pushed into the role of being a sort of first aider yes. in comparison to the cleric's paramedic yeah like you like, don't get a huge number but you can you can do the 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 shitty one that like heals at range i think yeah i, yeah. I mean you've got it's not too bad because you've got um cure wounds i think um i know there's some more the spell list i know we said yeah. we, wouldn't, we weren't going to but it's like this would yeah. probably go faster if we did I don't think bards get cure wounds. You know, we get cure wounds, because I've got cure wounds. We get it at first level. It's like a first level spell you take. They even suggest you take oh. that. Yeah, you do in fact get cure wounds. Yeah. But you um, don't get any bonuses to it the way that clerics might. No, yeah. Um, well, we get we get resurrection and we get regenerate. I don't know if that's a healing spell or not. I believe, despite its name, it's not, actually. Yeah. I think I've looked at regenerate briefly. We get greater restoration. I'm fairly certain that's a healing spell. We get mass cure wounds. So we do get quite a few healing spells. Yeah, you can spec a bard as a healer if you want. Yeah. Which is honestly kind of surprising. Because I mean, bards I... use arcane magic to cast spells. They yeah, should I mean, not be yeah. healers. I, I mean, especially in 5th edition, bards can be proper healers. Because if you take the bard college, college of law, you get... You get magical secrets, you can take cleric spells at lower levels and stuff like that. So it's not, without multiclassing, so it's not that, you know, as as we've previously said, the jack of all trades, that is what a bard does. That, you know, if you are lacking in one particular spell alignment, you're like, like, wow, we really need a necromancer in this situation. The bard's like, don't worry, I've got that shit on lock. I'll just get some necromancy spells. Regenerate is actually, yeah, it is a healing spell. Yeah. Although it has some abilities that I, I as a DM, would not allow. I see. Or would allow, but it's like, they're to do with um, severed body parts. Okay. Like, no, you you can't put your severed body parts back on regardless of what condition they're in. Yeah. It has to be, like, you know, quick response. Yeah, it's it's, it's like that thing where it's like, um, you have to be able to, like, wrap it up in... Although, actually, mind you, medical science is crazy right now. Wasn't there someone who uh, lost their head and they managed to reattach it? I think it was actually less dramatic than it was reported. But no, well, yes, no, like I know. Thing. Pardon? I'm feeling like that was a thing, yeah. Yeah. I know that there was, like, a full double arm transplant. Oh, no, yeah. And he has limited control over them, but definitely some. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting a bit off topic. Yeah, we're getting a bit off topic. Medical science is crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, sp- spellcasting... 
you can really choose whatever you want depending on what role yeah. you want your bard to fill. They're yeah. very, very versatile in that, that yeah. respect. I mean, um, I, I know I intended for Jay to be kind of an illusion master of disguise kind of thing. It didn't quite pan out that way, but um, that's okay, I think. I think Jay also works as a sort of like jack-of-all-trades kind of yeah. deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah ritual I... casting, which is weird... Because I thought that was a thing for all classes, and I'm going to have to look at all the other classes and figure out which one of them doesn't have ritual casting. Yeah. Uh, possibly some of them that don't have ritual casting just don't have any spells on their spell lists that can be cast as rituals. But it's I don't possible, think that's possible, yeah. The case. Um, but anyway, you can cast any bard spell you know as a ritual if that spell has the. Ri- that's interesting, actually. You can cast any bard spell you know as a ritual if that spell has the ritual tag, because bards can learn spells from other spell lists, can't they? Well, yeah, yeah. And some of those spells might be rituals. So presumably, even if they are, you can't cast those ones as rituals. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Your spellcasting you... focus is your musical instrument. That yeah. was really to be expected, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, what else would it yeah. be? Although, I personally, I include that in all performances can be a form of spellcasting. Yes. It's yes. only necessary uh, for the think, bard to perform. Uh, I don't know if this will make into the, it into the storytelling podcast when we eventually do it, but... I once made a bard who was a stage magician. Mm. That was his performance. Yeah. So I think, he could I think, play musical yeah. instruments, but like his whole deal was that he was also an actual magician because he was a bard. <laughs> yes. But he did stage magic. Yeah. But none of, none of the stage really magic tricky, he did that, yeah, yeah. was real. It was all conjuring tricks, but he also could do actual magic. Yeah, I love that, yeah. It's just like, why doesn't he just summon an actual bard? Why is it necessary to keep one mm. in his pantaloons and he's like... Mm. Showmanship. Well, it's I funny don't... because, of course, that means, like, in a high magic world, the entertainment comes from the fact that everybody knows it's not actual magic. Yeah. But they can't see how he does it. Yeah, and they're just like, it's just, how does he do it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's fake, but how is it fake? For those of you who are listening on the Halloween podcast, the character I described when I talked about becoming a doppelganger, that was this character, the the magician. Yeah. But I, I think there are lots of areas to kind of go when you come to a bard, because even if you just base it on music alone, mm. you have, like, tons of different genres to imitate. And I have seen multiple bards who have behaved as basically um, travelling rock stars in yes. the fantasy universe. And I don't know exactly how many of them were trying to be Jack Black from Brutal Legend, <laughs> but possibly not all of them, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, and again... You have millions and millions of pop stars to choose from. Um, I know, like I, I remember, I know someone who plays a one who's like Drake, the rapper. Hmm. Which yeah, that works. You know, yeah, that works. You know, the sensitive rapper, and I like that. Um, and you know, if you ever, you know, like rapping bard isn't a completely weird thing to do because you could just argue, well, it's just rhyming in a you, specific you, you way. Could, you could make a bard. Who has like maxed out charisma yeah. and not great anything else stats, and be just like, I'm gonna be a little B. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, or like you know, or yes. you could you could you could be Adele, even. Mm, yeah. You know, like I I always think, look, if you have no idea where to go with a bad, pick a pop star who you think has a really good cult of personality and go from there. Mm. Like Lady Gaga. Yeah. I like peak know Gaga. That many people have have wanted to play bards based on Lady Gaga. Yeah, um, you, you could maybe 
Maybe you could do a campaign where all of you are bards and you're a traveling band. Yeah, amazing. That would be interesting if your yeah. DM's on board. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just like, but you don't, you don't have to go in that direction always necessarily. You can go in a different direction of, you know, you're a struggling musician starting out. Hmm. Or maybe you're not a musician. Maybe you're an actor or um, a writer. Because that still works. Yeah. Maybe a stage you're... magician, a dancer, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a theatre director. Mm-hmm. Oh my uh, god, a theater, theater. that would be amazing! Theater. Like, a really over-the-top theatre di- director character. Maybe you are a musician, but you're in fact a one-man band. <laughs> like, um, with, with like the big, like, drum yeah, the, on the, the back. the drum on the back. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's all sorts of places that you could take bards in terms of flavour, because they encompass... Sort of the entire spectrum of artistic performers. Yeah, they do. You know, I a painter would be really good. Um, I think like yeah, a re- could, yeah. like a quick like a quick draw painter hmm. who like casts spells by painting and then be like <sighs> a beat <laughs> like, poet. A poet, yeah. No, no, yeah. No, specifically a beat poet. Yeah, um, or an actual even... poet also. But I feel like beat poets embody the spirit of performance more. Yeah, or even um, a playwright. Playwrights? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> fucking William Shakespeare was called the Bard. That's, yeah. That's his whole deal. Yeah. So, yeah, you can definitely go that way. You could even try actually to be Shakespeare. That's, yeah. There's nothing stopping you. But, and I feel this is an important point that I want to bring up, because this has happened to me in the past, and I want to try and save the massive variety of Bard players out there from this dreadful fate. So, excuse me while I put a bookmark in my book and close it for a moment to get serious. When you play as the Bard, you are going to have probably the highest charisma in your whole party. That's not as guaranteed now as it was back in the day. Because Fucking warlocks. Ugh. Paladins <laughs> are much more accessible now than in AD&D and... Uh, I don't actually know if they even used charisma. They might. I think they they still did. Um, warlocks now exist. So yeah, they, I... use, they use charisma. Sorcerers use charisma as well. Mm. Um, so charisma as a spellcasting um, trait uh, has really, really taken off in recent editions. But yeah. back in AD and D, charisma was a dump stat. Yeah, and it was only really with the release of second edition where bards required charisma that suddenly, like not immediately, but people were like, okay. There's a use for charisma. It makes sense that the bard would want to use charisma. Yeah. Because bard, they're all about talking that's to people. That's their shit, like, not, basically. Yeah. That That's that kind of deal. You know, and I mean, we, we've all seen what a bard without charisma looks like. Her name is Iggy Azalea. But yeah, so the point is, the bard is may well have the highest charisma of anybody at the table and might have... Um, a lot of, of jobs that involve uh, talking to people. You know, maybe weaseling the party's way out of consequences for their actions, or getting the party into somewhere, or uh, trying to persuade a barkeep to give them free rooms or something. Mm. Um, and in those cases, it is a lot of fun and really good role play for the player to describe to you exactly what they're doing in the same way that the player might uh, describe to you the way that they attempt to make a strength or athletics check to pull down a door or something for mm-hmm. a fighter or uh, exactly how they are trying to bewitch a person with charm or whatever. But that said, do not, and I repeat, do not, and I'm speaking to DMs here, 
make the reaction of the people that that player is talking to reliant on what the player says as part of that check. And I see this done so, so many times by DMs, and it fucking infuriates me, because I do not have to be a fucking bodybuilder to play a very high-strength character, and I do not have to be a fucking contortionist to play a very, very high-dex character, and I do not have to be particularly well-read to play a very, very high-int character, I do not have to be the centre of my friendship circle and all con- all around considered shrewd person to play have you know have very high wisdom so there's no particular reason why any more than you would stop somebody from playing a character with very high constitution if they got ill at all ever that you should base the success of somebody's charisma checks while they are playing a charisma focused class on the things that they actually say at the table it's nice for them to say those things anyway, because then you get an actual idea of, you know, exactly how is this character attempting to do this thing. But it's a mechanical part of the game, and to players who have, like, some issue with being perhaps mildly socially inept, I'm autistic, so this bothers me a fuck ton. But there's also, like, people who have social anxiety, people who are just shy, or. People, maybe just players who don't really have a huge grasp of what's going on. It's far more fun as a DM if, especially now that DMs, um, since uh, AD&D ended, have control over whether things succeed or fail because you know the DC of, of attempts to do something and the players don't. It is far, far more interesting to come up with a reason why whatever they said works than it is to base your reaction on how good the thing that the player said is doing because the player is not the character also if they are doing a charisma role right mm. if they score if they say something amazing and they roll something low it's it's too, too bad it failed yeah, yeah say, too bad say, it failed. say they were laying it on too thick mm. if the player says something really great and convincing but the char- the npc is not believing it mm. then the npc thought it was too cliche and cheesy that's mm. generally people have loads of different opinions on those kind of things so that's yeah. totally realistic for you to say. I would actually escalate this even further. If you're a DM and you have ever based or continue to base the success of charisma-based skill checks on the things that players actually say as part of conversation, fuck you! <laughs> fuck you and your shitty goddamn book. I, and I, I seriously want, hope yeah. all the players leave your table. Yeah, I know. That I, shit's not on. I want you to know that we hope someone comes into your house at night and takes all of your DVDs dvd collection and switches all of the discs in the box because that's mm. what you deserve yes i mean I, I was unsure where beth was going with that i was like i don't know if i wish home invasion on these people but no i think that's no. that's an appropriate punishment yeah yeah oh takes all of your dvds out and replaces them all with um dvds of um scooby-doo movies I, I, apart I feel... from the witch's ghost because that one's really good and zombie island because that one's really good cyber chase is also pretty good a lot of the scooby-doo movies are actually pretty good anyway well, why not just like DVDs of of the Scooby Doo movie, which was shit and weird. <laughs> yeah, that was and, shit. And Rowan weird. Atkinson was was a mech for some reason, <laughs> and it tried to be countercultural to its source material, but it ended up just yeah. being incredibly strange. Yeah, yo, Shinji, get in, Mister Bean. Oh, anyway, so that was my call out for shitty DMs who want to pretend that because charisma is a thing that people at the table can actually do, that means it's not subject to the rules of the fucking game. Yeah, this is a, a call-out pod. 
Yeah, there's a call up pod for all of those DMs who do that. You're all terrible. Yep. Anyway, uh, bardic inspiration. Yes. I always forget to use this. If you know a bard who remembers bardic inspiration, please do write to us in the comments (laughs) of the YouTube video, because I don't believe you. I always forget it, but, like... There is, like, I imagine that, like, the rest of the group, if they know about Bardic Inspiration as a thing, must get so angry at Jay sometimes, because it's like, you could have helped me, but you chose instead to turn into a giant spider. Mm. Why did you not give me Bardic Inspiration with that vital role? I think the only time I really remembered it was when we were fighting the vampires down in the basement, and, like, Becca needed to succeed a dexterity check to not die. Mm. And I was like, Bardic Inspiration. So what is Bardic Inspiration? Uh, You can inspire others through stirring words or music. To do so, use a bonus action on your turn to choose one creature other than yourself within 60 feet of you who can hear you. Mm. That creature gains one Bardic Inspiration die, a d6. Mm. So Bardic Inspiration is weaker than, like, actual Inspiration. Mm. But, like, Which no DM ever remembers used. that anyway. If you so know it's a fine. DM who actually issues inspiration, please write to us in the YouTube comments because we don't believe you. Yeah, like, it's. They're such difficult things to remember, and it's it's mm. just one of those things that you kind of have to constantly keep kind of going. Because it's not so much that I forget that Jay can do Bardic Inspiration, it's that I forget specifically what it does. I get it confused with Inspiration and Bardic Inspiration. Mm. And I get mixed up on what the two do. It's very confusing. Oh, by the way, if you do use Bardic Inspiration as a bard, and you are all in a, like, you're not, like, playing online or whatever, you're actually in a physical room together, the bard character should actually give a physical die to the other player, because there's no way you're going to remember that otherwise. Yeah. You you should do that, because it will remind them. Yeah. Especially if, like, it may help you, either as the bard or as the DM, to just keep, like, a load of... Uh, dice that are like completely unlike any of the dice anybody else has at the mm. table, like maybe really garishly coloured or something. Chess yes. do a lot of, of dice that are reasonably cheap and come in yeah. some really gaudy colours uh, yeah. and then th- those can be like the inspiration dice yeah. where you just hand them out and you're like hey, why yeah. do I have this really weird funky looking die? Oh, yeah, because yeah, I have inspiration. Yeah, I, I know that um, I my, old gr- my very old group who I played my drow um, archer rogue fellow on um, we had special die for those situations where you had to give a die to another player, and they were like black, and they had like Sindarish, Sindar and Elvish along like the sides of it. They were cool, but yeah, that's what we used those for because they were just completely unlike any of the other dice, so nice. they were distinct from the others. Though when you said garishly coloured dice, I looked at my own dice bag and I was like, but they're all garishly coloured. It doesn't matter. Maybe if all <laughs> no, of yeah. your dice are garishly coloured. Really boring grey ones. Whatever. So that they look obviously different from anybody else's dice. Mm. And then you can be like, these aren't mine. What is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have inspiration. So anyway, um, once within the next ten minutes... This annoys me about Bardic Inspiration because it's already difficult enough to remember know, the thing yeah. without knowing that it's going to expire if you don't use it. I know, yeah. Uh, the creature can roll the die and add the number rolled to one ability check, attack roll, or saving throw it makes. The I... creature can, can wait until after it rolls the d20 before deciding to use the Bardic Inspiration die, but must decide before the DM says whether the roll succeeds or fails. Mm. So you do have to, like, uh, roll the dice, so to speak, on, on this one. Mm. So, yeah, okay, yeah, Bardic Inspiration is 
generally people only remember it when they're like like yeah. a character is in real danger of dying if oh yeah make no, like it's a, a, a good it's a really good mechanic if you remember to use it as a mechanic because it's one of the things that's unique to the bard essentially it's one of the only things the bard can do but yeah on um, its own but, but apart from still, like everything else people but... <laughs> are still only gonna like remember it when yeah. it's like oh god this this player is gonna die if they don't um make this saving throw and then everybody goes through their sheet to like find every single lost rule that might you know detail some way that they could help yeah and then the bard will be like hey yeah i could give him bardic inspiration yeah like like the the fight will be like shit i don't know maybe i could like get a rope or something and the sorcerer's freaking out and like the ranger's like fuck i don't know what to do oh my god the monk is dead and then the bard goes wait a minute guys I've got bardic inspiration, and they're all like, "Wow, we're really thankful that we had a bard here with yeah, us today." Yeah, and it's like the the cleric is like, "I'm gonna heal him at range for really shitty value because <laughs> I have that spell memorized for some reason." So if he fails to save, he might survive the fall. Just and the bard is like, "What if I gave him bardic inspiration, and then he won't have to like? I mean, maybe he still will, but yeah, he could just have that." Yeah, and then everyone's like, "Wow, you're so you're so clever and lucky and beautiful." Mm. What would we ever do without you, Bard? And you're like, I don't know, but... <laughs> so anyway, starting at second level, uh, Bards get Jack of All Trades. Mm. Uh, no, Jack that's... of All Trades is OP as shit. Yeah, that's t- that, let us t- discuss half-elf Bards for a minute, because in conjunction with this, it becomes crazy. So if you're a half-elf, you half-elf, you get something called um, skill versatility. Which basically means, hey, pick any two skills you want. Pretty much, right? Uh, I believe that is the case. Let me just look it up. Um, Yeah, skill versatility. You gain proficiency in two skills of your choice. Yeah. So you've already got three from being a bard, which is generally their charisma based, I think. Uh, most cases, yes. Yeah. Oh, in fact, it doesn't matter. Skills, choose any three. You can yeah, choose, choose any yeah. three skills you yeah. want. So already you have five skills that you can just mess mm-hmm. around with. Now, if you pick a background as well, and you're probably going to pick the entertainer background because it gives you proficiency in like performance, acrobatics, I think, and something else. So yeah, your your background is going to give you probably at least two more, maybe yeah. three. So you went background you choose. Yeah. So you end up with, you know, starting off with six, seven skills, right? Have I added and, and that? And that's already? just the skills that you add the relevant stat bonus to and your proficiency bonus. Yeah. And then at second level, you get jack of all trades. Yeah. Where you no, can j- add half your proficiency bonus rounded down to any ability check you make that doesn't already include your proficiency bonus. Yeah. So basically... You can kind of do anything, right? Yeah, because like, it's like for a skill, you get your proficiency, you you, you get your um your stat bonus for all skills. The the mm. stat that the skill comes from, everybody gets that on all skills. The, the ones that you actually choose as skills, you also get your proficiency bonus too. So because you're putting half your proficiency bonus on all of the skills that you don't have, that basically means that you're half as good. At everything else that you aren't specialised in. Yeah. And you're better, ostensibly, than many other people at those things. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's kind of why bards are really good at, like, consolidating all of the skill checks that need to be made into one character. Mm. And then just sort of the rest of the players get on with, like, combat and 
like good spell casting and healing and whatever. Yeah. Whatever the bard hasn't specced into, basically. Yeah. You know, like, you know, eventually, you know, the group comes to across a situation and it's like, you need to calm down this horse or else the village will burn down. Mm. Your DM's a bit quirky, whatever. And the bard's like, don't worry, guys, I got this. I didn't spec into animal handling because I didn't really think I'd need it. But guess what? I get a plus two. I get a plus two in it. And also, it's a wisdom. And I got a pl- and I have a plus one in wisdom anyway. So, hey, I get a plus three. And yeah. they roll. And the the horse is calmed, the day is saved. It also means Jack of all trades also means that because your proficiency bonus is added always and your proficiency bonus will always be positive, it mitigates the penalties to a lot of other skill checks yeah. that you might make if you have negative um stat bonuses. Yeah. In fact, in many cases, because you're probably like only gonna have one dump stat at most, in many cases it will completely eliminate a penalty because it's probably only gonna be one or two. And the proficiency yeah. bonus is only going to get higher, whereas your stat bonuses don't change a huge amount. And they they can only get higher as well. The stat bonuses can only like increase mm. rather than decrease. Yeah. But yeah, the bard. So... Um, there's a whole lot of other stuff here. Uh, you can heal your uh, allies while resting using yep. song, um, which is pretty good because short rests only like give a bit of uh, hit points. Yeah. Mm. So having extra hit points is... Uh, is great for Song mm. of Rest. Then you get to third level. The thing about third level is that for most classes in the PHP, third level is where the magic happens. It's where yeah. you have to make an interesting decision about your future as a individual in that particular class. Mm. There are a couple of classes where that's not the case, and it either comes at second or fourth level, I think. But yeah. in this case, it's at third. It, um, yeah. And that's the Bard College. Yes. College of Law and College of Valor. Something that surprised me is the fact that there are only two Bard Colleges. I think in terms of content that's probably going to be added in supplementary books, Bard Colleges are, are very ripe yeah. for that. Yeah. So, yeah, the College of Law uh, is if you are sort of tra- trying to be a, um, a saga-sayer or something yeah. like that. You know a lot about stuff. You know something about most things. Um, mm. You sing ballads and that sort of thing. Um, you like libraries. <laughs> yeah. Um, you gain proficiency with three skills of your choice when you choose the College of Law. So if you're keeping track of that hypothetical half-elf bard that we're making, you now have so many skill proficiencies. Yeah. Let's, how many do I have? Because I might have underdone this a bit. I've got acrobatics, I've got deception, I've got history, I've got medicine, I've got perception, I've got performance, I've got persuasion, I've got survival. Is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, that, that's yes. right. Yeah. Two from half-elf, three yeah. from bard, three from College of Law. Yeah. Eight. Eight. Eight skill proficiencies. Take advantage of this if you are going into <laughs> College of Law. Hell, take advantage of the first three or the first five, depending on the makeup of your character, regardless of how you build your character. Yeah. Bards, very, very powerful in terms of being able to do skill checks. Yeah. Uh, cutting words. Um... I don't think I've ever used cutting words. Cutting words? Well, you wouldn't, because it uses the bardic inspiration meter, and nobody remembers they have that. Yeah. Um, Essentially, cutting words is bardic inspiration in reverse. Mm. It uses the bardic inspiration to reduce the number of a check or ability roll made by an enemy, rather than increasing the number of a check or ability roll made by an ally. That's basically what it is. Mm. Um, Again, the creature is immune if it can't hear you or if it's immune to being charmed. Um, 
this is what Beth was talking about before, I think. Additional magic secrets. At 6th level, you learn two spells of your choice from any class. Yeah, so basically, any magic stuff that you may have missed out on as a group, this is kind of where you fill it in. If you need someone who can, you know, maybe you fucked up and you might, this might be a very necromancer-heavy kind of thing, or it's very, you know, maybe you need some radiant magic on your side, or you need healing. Bear in mind, you can't, with this ability, choose a spell of any level higher than third. Because no, you have true. to choose the spells when you reach 6th level, and the yeah. spells have to be of a level that you can cast based on your sp- bard spellcasting ability, yeah. which at 6th level, the maximum uh, level of spells you can cast is 3rd. Yeah. So that is a limit on it. Yeah. So I, it's I think, still pretty yeah. damn good. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's additional spells as well, so I think the idea that I, I took with Jay's, I took the spells that I actually really kind of wanted to have. You know, I took things like fear, and I took, um, you know, speak with plants and stuff like that. And then I went, okay, let's have revivify and mass healing word. Even though I would get mass healing word anywhere at third level, I went, I want to take that anywhere, so I've got that extra spell that I can use, should I need it. So I I don't have to... I want to apologise, because I was wrong earlier. Um... The bard spells, the, the the spells that you choose with additional magic secrets count as bard spells, so if any of them are rituals, yeah. you will be able to cast them as rituals. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, that's They all right, don't then. count against the number of bard spells that you know, which mm. is uh, actually for a bard kind of weird and mm. not relevant, I don't think. But, you know, that's maybe good in some weird, uh, like, edge case. Yeah. Uh, then at 14th level you get peerless skill. Yeah. When you make an ability check, you can expend one use of Bardic Inspiration. I feel like to get the most out of the Bard, you probably have to start paying attention to Bardic Inspiration. I I may have to. (laughs) Because they're so good in so many other things, it can be easy to ignore it until you get to levels that start using it really well. Yeah. Um, You roll the Bardic Inspiration die and add another roll to your ability check. You can choose to do so after you roll the die for the ability check, but before the DM tells you whether you've succeeded or failed. Basically, you have to get to level 14 before you're allowed to use Bardic Inspiration on yourself. Yeah. Which kind of sucks, but yeah. given all of the other stuff that the Bard can do, are you really bothered? Yeah, I know. It's, it's so good. Bard's man. There's also the College of Valor, which yeah. is a different route that you can take at level 3. Mm. Uh, College of like... Valor is uh, based on scolds, and yeah. I don't know... Um, who fits well into this trope? Maybe Alan Adale mm. would be like kind of where the College of Valor is going when you're you're a much more combat focused bard. Yeah. Um, maybe um, you're the kind of bard who sings in a group in a pub and you go out fighting all day. <laughs> you know, you, you're you're a peasant who took up arms and then got yeah. really good at it or something. Or uh... Um, uh, what uh, one of those prison guys who always who's always playing the harmonica on like American TV shows? Mm, yeah, maybe <laughs> that indeed. Yeah. Um, or maybe, maybe in fact, you're just a really conceited superhero, <laughs> and you're singing the tales of yourself and your really conceited superhero friends. Yeah. And that's why you have the time yeah. to be good at things. Yeah. Well. No, what you are is your dazzler. From Marvel Comics. Okay, please explain. Though that's, that's not her power, but you're Dazzler from Marvel Comics. You're a pop star, and you're a superhero. We've mentioned um, Lord Flashheart from Blackadder already, haven't we? Yes. I can't remember the context, but I feel like the College of Valor would probably fit him quite well. Yeah. Because he's very charismatic. 
but yeah. also like uh, he could knock he's, down he's, a wall. Yeah, and he's a good <laughs> pilot. That was kind of the reason why in, in Black Adder goes forth he was taken seriously. Yeah. But yeah, when you choose it at third level, you gain proficiency with medium armor, shields, and martial weapons. So if you're going to spec into College of Valor, it's not as important to have good dexterity, at least yeah. with a bonus higher than two, because you're going yeah. to take medium armor at third level. Um, also at third level, uh, you also use your bardic inspiration. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, uh, basically, what what happens is that when you give bardic inspiration to another pl- player or ally. That ally can use the uh, Bardic Inspiration roll for damage as well as um, attack or to uh, add to its AC. So it increases the number of things that the Bardic Inspiration roll uh, can be used to increase. Mm. Um, at 6th level, a College of Alabard gets an extra attack, which is nice. And at 14th level, uh, the College of Alabard gets... Uh, when you use your action to cast a Bard spell... You can make one weapon attack as a bonus action. So you get to mix magic and, and weapons. So, yeah, it's like the College of Law is if you want to go heavy into being a um, support bard. Mm. And the College of Valor is if you want to go heavy into being a versatile um, combatant bard. Yeah. So it's it's really up to you. It's a very, very versatile class. Mm. And there's a lot of different things that you can do with it. And I feel like regardless of which college you pick, each one is going to have at least a bit of the other. Like, College of Valor Bards are still probably going to have a decently large number of, of skills that they're good at, especially since everyone gets jack-of-all-trades. Yeah. And College of Law Bards are probably still going to get better at being combatants, mm. um, just because of learning to like use their abilities uh, the way that they do, and they can use cutting words, and they get more spells because of additional magic secrets. So... It might be good, better magical combatants, depending on what you pick. Basically, a bard is the perfect... I think what you want is if you have a group of people who might have some issue with sketchy attendance, mm. and you have one player you know you can rely on, that player should play a bard. <laughs> because that player can fit into one of a variety of different... Uh, yeah. roles within the party and fill in not not as good as the focused character for any of those roles mm. but adequate yeah properly adequate that's yeah that is the bard in summary they're an all-rounder they're yeah. not partic- they don't particularly excel at one particular thing but they don't suck at any of them either they're not you know they're decent-ish at most things if you want to get the most out of being a bard think about the other people in your party could you do their job for an hour if yeah. pushed? You, <laughs> yeah. you don't you don't have to be spectacular at it. Maybe you swing in by the skin of your teeth, but could you do it? Yeah. That, that is probably you know, yes, given yeah, the way like, bards are spec in fifth yeah. edition. You know, this this is the thing with the bard. They're not they're not the core member of the group. You know, like we would generally consider people like wizards, fighter, and rogue. These are like the core party members these are like the ones who kind of do well no i i guess it's more rogue fighter cleric that's why you're yeah everybody thinks it's three it's not it's four four, there's a fighter there's a wizard there's a cleric and there's a rogue yeah what is going to happen is not everyone is going to be one of those because that's really boring you know maybe your fighter is a barbarian in which case cool Maybe your fighter is a monk. Cool. Maybe your rogue is a ranger. Cool. Maybe your wizard is a sorcerer or a yeah. warlock. Yeah. Cool. 
In the case of your party, it's probably good that um, Jay specked into healing a bit, because yeah. if you look at where the space is in terms of, you know, what could the bard fit into? Well, we have a sorcerer, so that's a yeah. mage. We have yeah. a rogue. We have a barbarian fighter person. So who's missing? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, there we have the, you know, that is yeah. the, you know, like as a bard, you are kind of... The funny thing about that is that it means that bards fit very well into very small groups, smaller yeah. than advisable, and very well into very large groups that already have all of the major bases covered. Yeah. But not really very well into groups that are just the right size. Yeah. Which is, I think, a little strange. Yeah. Well, you know. But I think that that is the bard in essence, isn't it? Like most hmm. bards in fiction, they're not the beefy one. They're not. Whenever you the see a bard one. in fiction, the bard is either one of two or three people yeah. who is going along to chronicle this, going along, sort of like kind of making fun of the people as he's chronicling yeah. the, like their journey, yeah. and that they, those characters will be doing the the sort of Frodo and Sam kind of deal. Yeah. Um. Or he's at the end of the train of of people writing the saga about yeah. what this this small army is doing. Yeah. So I suppose yeah. it kind of makes sense that the bard is not the the key uh, member in like the the medium sized party. Mm. You know, like they're um, it's just like that that that's the idea behind the bard. They are chronicling this event. They're going to be the ones who tell it later at the tavern. They're going to be the ones who you know write the book and get it published. They're Varric, okay? Like to talk about Dragon Age for a bit. In because Dragon it's not a real house of bards unless Beth has talked about both comics and Dragon Age. Yeah. So in Dragon Age 2, you have Varric. And Varric can basically never leave the group. Like, you have Meryl and she's like the warlock, basically, because that's what blood mages are. Except, you know, blood mages are actually good. Um, you have Anders and he's the healer and therefore falls into, like... Like, I actually feel Anders is, like, a true... Um, He's like a true representation of what healers are like in MMO games and in tabletop games, which is like, you idiots are always getting injured and I always have to pick up the slack. Anyway, you have, and then you have like Aveline and Fenris and they're like the fighters. And you have Isabella and she's like classic rogue. And then you've got Varric and he's the bard. But there isn't really a proper bard class in Dragon Age. So basically, all Varric does is he stands in the back, he fires his like, insane crossbow, and then um, tells everyone about it later at the Hanged Man. And he writes Varric's books, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's, it's all, yeah, it's also why Varric can never leave the group. Like All of the other ones have like a crisis point where like they're like, Hawk, you're a dickhead. I don't want to be your friend anymore. Or you're like, I'm a dickhead. I'm sending you off back into slavery. And Varric is like, can't leave in Dragon Age 2 because the whole shtick is that the entirety of the game is yeah. a story that Varric is telling about Hawk to Cassandra. So yeah. it'd be weird if he was like, and then I got really pissy and I just sort of left. Yeah, and it's so like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, could you? Yeah, could you imagine if there was like a crisis point and like act like the start of Act Three? And it's like, yeah, and then I left. So I don't really know what happened after that. Cassandra's and then like, the game ends. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Yeah, and then like Florence and the Machine start like, I'm not calling you a liar. We'll never know what happened. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> You know, but, yeah. but I mean, in theory, all of Dragon Age Two could be absolute bollocks because it's all Varric telling it. Mm. Like we don't technically know how much is true. 
because you have to judge Inquisition based on how much it's true. And judging by how out of character Bioware wrote Hawk in that, it's basically all bollocks, isn't it then? Really? Oh no. Because you have to take Varric and Hawk's word for it. Hawk's tremendously out of character. Stroud showed up for like one scene and like the at the end of Act Two, um, and like Alistair's basically in character, but like again he showed up. He 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 met Hawk in passing anywhere at the end of Act Two, if he was the warden. And then you've got uh, um, Varric who could who basically. His thing that he says all the time is like, yeah, I bullshit all the time. I'm not even going to, like, I lie constantly. And it's like, so basically all of Dragon Age 2 could be bollocks and or Cassandra could have misremembered things. Because you have to consider, are you witnessing the story as Cassandra's remembering it? Or are you witnessing the story as Varric is telling it? Mm-hmm. We'll never know. So either, so that kind of technically makes Dragon Age 2 one of the most inventive, brilliant games of like the 21st century which considering how lazily it was put together and how rushed it was quite impressive uh the the thing about like Varric talking about how he bullshits all the time reminded me of another great character in media who is most definitely a bard captain jack sparrow oh my god yeah because if you remember he, he he has that line which is the connection which is um i can't remember who it is but it's like the who says you were telling the truth. And Jack goes, I do that quite a lot, but everyone always seems surprised. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out of it's not an actual Jack Sparrow coat, and I'm completely misremembering that from yeah. another character, but I'm pretty sure it's him. Yeah, and, but... Uh, but but no, uh, Jack Sparrow is definitely a bard. He mm. relies primarily on his own charisma to get out of a lot mm. of other... He, he's not spec'd out for high-level combat. Yeah. He's mostly like concerned with like dancing lexically around anybody who tries to outsmart him. It's true, yeah. Like, like the fact that I'm not sure if this actually happened because I haven't actually seen this movie. But didn't they cast Russell Brand as um, Jack Sparrow's brother or something? Is that a thing that happened, or was that I just don't internet rumors? Think so. No. Right. The, in the in the fourth parts of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow's dad turns up briefly. But oh yeah, Russell and it's Brand. it's actually Keith Richards. Yeah. Mm, so. Yeah, but like I don't know you know. It makes sense, because Russell Brand, again, there's another in-real-life bard, because that's all Russell Brand does is just say really overly complicated things, and you're like, oh, well, Russell yes. Russell Brand talks a huge amount of bullshit and has a very large following, so yeah, he's, he's yeah. definitely he's... Uh, min-maxed to charisma build <laughs> yeah. out of the wazoo. <laughs> yeah, he's got a, he's got at least, like, 20 charisma with, like, um, modifiers, like, mm. you know... I don't know what his his you know he, he like he could say fucking anything and I'd be like I guess that sounds yeah okay yeah Russell, I guess and, and and I presume I then have like very high wisdom because I'm like no Russell that's bullshit but so many <laughs> yeah. people are gonna believe it <laughs> yeah you're 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 Jeremy Paxman Christ Russell revolutionary <laughs> anarchists are annoying enough before you get to people like you who pretend to be them I know, but yeah. aren't actually yeah you're you're Jeremy Paxman Alex that. Like Jeremy Paxman, he's definitely got his wisdom like all maxed out. Well, I think um, yeah. yeah. So that that was our uh, review of the Bard. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably going to do a couple more of these, not immediately, yeah. Yeah. but uh, we, we yeah. probably will do a couple more of yeah, these. Not but, immediately, um, but if if there are any you're interested in seeing, mm, do soon? let us know. Uh, yeah. Tell us if you like this particular kind. So what I'm saying is. Regardless of whether you like them, we're probably going to do a couple more. But exactly yeah. how many more we do will depend on the kind of um, yeah. response that we get to these. Yeah. 
if you're like, yeah, 100%, like, go do the monk and stuff like that, or you're like, hey, we'd really like you to talk about sorcerers a bit, or hey, what about the fighter? Because I'm having trouble making a fighter that isn't cliched or whatever. Or, do tell um, us if also if you want us to do them for races as well. I yes. don't think we'll do them for backgrounds, no. and I think we'll also ignore requests to do them for similar things in other games. Yeah, like just because for now. you you really want to know. Uh, yeah, because you're playing Call of Cthulhu. What a dilettante actually is? No, fuck off. <laughs> we will do that yeah. in our own time if we decide to. Anyway, um, so. That was House of Bars. The music is by Kevin MacLeod. You can contact us on Twitter and Tumblr. Uh, I am Cleaver Crumish. I'm Baroness Banff. I will write how to spell those things in the description because I am tired of reading this out on the podcast itself. Um, As usual, there will also be a credit in the description for the album art I haven't chosen yet. You know. Anyway, so yeah, that was House of Bards, and uh, we will see you next week. We haven't decided on a topic, but maybe we will do something non D and D related. Cause maybe we have an idea. Yeah. We've had some quite D and D heavy um, episodes lately, yeah. and I, I, that does concern me. But at the same time, I think it has focused the podcast for a couple of episodes. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> you will find out next. I want to say week, but you know yeah. it's going to be next time I yeah. upload an episode. Yeah. Yeah, I've, also, I'm sorry. If there, I have a if lot of work If there has been a significant delay in this episode getting out, it's because we decided to skip recording one week so Alex could catch up on editing. Because mm. the Halloween episode was oh, no, really big. They wouldn't have noticed that because like no, uploading yeah. was already fucked based yeah. on like editing of the episode before that. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, whatever. <sighs> yeah, I am yeah. sorry. I have a lot yeah. of work to do since I'm back at school. Yeah, and I can't edit for shit. So okay. bye. Now, without actually knowing what a dilettante is, I'm going to guess what one is. Mm, okay. Is it something similar to a debutante, like a, a, it is a high? Actually. Is it, it? It is. Yeah. Fuck it's, yeah! It's, it's it's a sort of posh bod who's really kind of unlikable. There we go. Fuck yeah! Anyway, I, I know my shit. That whoever so, whoever said on this podcast that I don't know shit is correct when it comes to geography, mm. but most of the time I'm fucking spot on. And as anybody who watches Steven Universe with me knows I can predict the future. Sure. Yeah.